What's going on, guys? Anthony here, back again with another episode of the E1B2 podcast. Now, look, guys, we have about, I want to say, 280 to 300 episodes here, and it is very rare, incredibly rare, that I ask anyone to come back onto the show. And it's not because I don't believe in them. It's not because the the latest podcast uh, that we were both on wasn't wasn't great. It's really because I like to bring on a different flavor of energy. I like to bring on different thoughts and perspectives and nuances that we all can learn from. But there are definitely a few that I know really hit home and really synergize well with the messaging and the core perspectives that I want to present and articulate on this podcast. And so that is why I decided to bring back Nancy John on today's episode. Look, we talked about a lot here, guys. We jumped deep into all different aspects of leadership. We talked about how things are going in her business right now. We talked about how these times have affected her business. We also talked about a few things that are pressing on her mind right now as it pertains to the world of business and leadership and just kind of how COVID-19 has affected and shifted her perspectives and, and the way that she's going to be designing and building her business, as well as a few tips on how people need to restructure their perspectives on how to build and and scale and and structure their business. We then dove deep into, you know, what going back to normal looks like post-corona and does that even exist and what it looks like to be super practical. And then to wrap it all up, we dove deep into the first few things you should operationalize from a culture perspective if you are just starting a brand or if you're going getting back from Corona and you need to kind of restructure and reorganize things from a policy workflow and just culture day-to-day behavior perspective. So Nancy, I am super grateful and honored. And I thank you so much for joining today's episode. Listeners, downloaders, supporters of the E1B2 podcast, please, please, please reach out to me. Let me know if you have any thoughts, perspectives, questions on today's episode. I, I have no doubt in my mind that you guys are going to enjoy and really consume every bit of information that we have to offer here. And I promise you guys that you're going to love and appreciate everything that we talk about today. So Nancy, I thank you listeners and downloaders and supporters of the E1B2 podcast. I thank you. And, um, I'm probably going to shut up now. So thanks a lot, guys. Please enjoy and let me know your thoughts. Perfect. So uh, I appreciate you being back here uh, for a second time on the show. It's um, I have, I think, almost 300 episodes now. So you must be special to be back here for a second time. Well, I'm happy to be back, Anthony. Thanks for inviting me again. Perfect. I appreciate that. Um, so I guess we'll start here. I want to get an update on, uh, your business. Uh, a lot, last time we talked, we, uh, we were talking about a few things, um, just business wise that were happening for you. There were some, some really new and exciting things happening. You had already started the business for some time at that point, but, um, in the, in the grand schemes of starting a business, it was still kind of relatively new. I think I, I want to say it was about a, was it about a year in when I talked to you? Uh, not quite. It had, been, it had been a few months. Got it. So a few months. Exactly. So in the grand scheme of things, relatively new. So, uh, you know, give me an update on how things have been on from that front as much as you're comfortable as comfortable with sharing. I know. Um, and the reason why I'm really asking is, number one, we kind of play in similar spaces. So I'm very interested to kind of see how the, the marketplace is, is um, you know, uh, changing or 
and and really how 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 it's experiencing and and then being affected by uh, COVID nineteen. So, what are your thoughts on that, and how how have things been? Yeah, no, things have been interesting. Like I would say, with with the situation that we're all in right now um, in this COVID world, that does definitely that did definitely affect me from a business perspective in the sense that the learning and development space generally tends to be the space that a lot of organizations will choose to trim down on when they are hit with a crisis or they're stuck with uh, or they're stuck with needing to control expenses somewhere it's just a natural reaction that happens almost like even when I was in the corporate world like that was a place that a lot of times the cuts would take place so that did affect me Um, now that said I think one of the one of the really great opportunities that's come out of this situation is I've actually still experienced a lot of growth. So again, from a traditional business piece, even if I've noticed a, you know, uh, a decline in clients or, you know, being able to get client interest in, in working on uh, areas around their personal development, I myself have experienced a lot of growth. And I think that's been a really great thing that, is an opportunity for a lot of people who might feel discouraged by this time. So I'm actually, I'm not, I'm not down. I think that's the main thing I want people to get across is even as a small business owner, I don't, I don't feel down. I feel, I still feel very hopeful of what's possible um, for me and for my business. And um, I've actually been able to a couple of clients who were prospective clients that I was working on earlier, uh, they did actually turn into clients during this time. So, so that actually worked out well for me. And in working with them, I've been able to really think about my own offerings. Uh, how, how would I need to readjust? So I've spent a little bit more time thinking about how do I need to readjust? How do I need to show up in a different way that meets the need of people? So it's not just about me. I really do want to be in service. Like that's always been my focus. So to be in service requires me to be a little bit more aware of what's the need out there. How do I speak towards that? So I've um, been focusing a little bit more time on there. Um, And then I think since you and I spoke, one other thing that I did was I started up my own podcast and that's been pretty awesome as well. It's called the relational introvert. And my focus of that podcast is really bringing a light onto introverted leaders and introverted leadership. A lot of times that can get, kind of put, uh, it's a voice that can get lost. And I really wanted to find a way to highlight that. And my my podcast has given me an opportunity to do that. So that's been another really great place for growth and learning and creativity, which I've actually been excited to do during this time as well. Well, I'm happy that you started the podcast. Um, I, I, along as, you know, along with many people, I'm sure, we're pushing you. I, I know that was something I believe I had mentioned towards the back half and said, you'd be perfect for a podcast. Um, right. So uh, <laughs> no credit taken here. So I am glad, <laughs> though, that you finally decided to pull the trigger. Um, Thank you. <laughs> um, hopefully. And, and and you were so right about this, too. We, we kind of chatted because I was hoping to be able to join your podcast because I thought we had struck up a little bit of a relationship. And then you asked the question, you're like, would you consider yourself an introverted leader? I was like, probably not. So <laughs> we may have to find uh, some sort of a, a special episode that makes right. sense. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I was like, oh, that's actually a really good point she made. I'm probably not that introverted. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, 
what what have you learned if 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 you can for a second get a little bit tactical here or just or just or just high level theor- theoretical just the way that you kind of are reframing things um what have you learned during the situation business wise um at a personal level you don't have to make this you don't have to make this like a macro tip for everyone to really take home or take away um this is really about you because there have been some updates with me recently as well that I that I'm excited to share with you that I think uh I would just like to get your two cents on I think one of the things that I was really focused on working on prior to all of this coronavirus crisis had to do with uh, decision-making on my end. And this Mm -hmm. was something that had come out of even towards the end of 2019. Um, I've shared this with a few people. I've said that in my life, I've experienced every seven to 10 years or so, there's some significant learning and changes that I come across. And I was thinking to myself towards the end of 2019, I'm due for one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know if others experience this, but a lot of people I've shared this with will say, yeah, that's actually true. And so I found every seven to 10 years, something significant. And I was, I felt like I was on the verge of something. And one area that I really felt I needed to focus in on was the area of decision-making and paying attention to what a lot of people talk, they call their intuition or their gut feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something that I personally in my life had ignored or ignored maybe a bit too harsh, just something I, I didn't pay as much attention to, or I didn't, I didn't give it as much value. Um, and, and just more recently or towards like the beginning of 2020 and so on, I just was having the sense that there's something I'm missing in that space that's affecting me. And it's, and again, to your point, this is going beyond business. It wasn't just about business. It was about me as a person. And what I've realized is, it's not two separate things. Anything that you look to work on on a personal level will definitely show up in your business. Yes. So a lot of times people try to separate those two and I would encourage folks don't separate them because <laughs> they're not two different things. Uh, we may have specific skills. We hone in on one area versus the other, but who you are as a person does show up uh, in your business as well. And, and, and so it should. So that was an area that I was focused in on. I actually invested in my own coach at the beginning of this year. So again, being someone who does do a lot of uh, development and supporting others with their development. I, I wanted to demonstrate that there's value in investing in yourself because I said, I need to invest in my own coach uh, to be able to work through that. And, and so that's one of the big things that uh, that's been a learning for me. And in, in my work with her over the last few months, that's something that I've been honing in on say, how do you pay attention to uh, your intuition, to that gut feeling? And I started to realize how, how important that is. And that's something now I can say I've actually, when you talk about tactically, that's something I've tactically applied for myself. Um, And I don't, I've kind of made a decision that if something is not sitting right, I have to investigate it. I can't just rationalize it and and move past that. And that's actually uh, serving me well. And if you think about it, that reason why that serves you well, it definitely serves you well personally, but from a business perspective too, when you think about taking making decisions on a business level, you have to pay attention to that as well. There's something there when something's not feeling right. You got to investigate that because there's something there. Does your coach go into any of the the psychology or the neuroscience elements of why you should listen to your gut? Um, I don't know that we went into the neuroscience necessarily. Now, maybe she did and I wasn't 
paying attention, but <laughs> <laughs> that's possible. Uh, but what we did talk about is just our own, uh, part of the work that she did was this idea that we're all wired a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so even if you think about things like Myers-Briggs and everything, there's that idea of like sensing versus feeling and, and all of that. And one thing that became clear for me as I was actually talking with her was I am actually someone who is wired towards the feeling. Like I, I am someone who goes by, I recognize feeling. I can actually, if I go into a room, I can pick up on energy. Like if, you know, if there's good, good vibes or if something's off, I can generally mm-hmm. pick up on that. Uh, but what I was trying to do was I was always trying to rationalize it. I was always trying to add some language around it. And sometimes not all of this can be easily articulated right away. And what I was doing in the past was if I could not articulate it right away, I was discounting it as being real. And that was the challenge that I was having. And so then I was always, so I never got over the icky feeling around it, but I was rationalizing it in some way. And so some of the learnings for me have been, you can't always rationalize. For example, I may, I may have a certain feeling about something that I may not be able to articulate to you in this moment that doesn't make it any less real. And sometimes it's not as important that Anthony understand it. As long as I understand it and I can make some wise decisions around it. That's what's more important. And now if it's a business decision and you're a client of mine, then yes, I have to be able to figure out how to articulate it, but it may not be that I have to articulate it to you right away. So it was more kind of talking about wiring that we, we looked at a little bit and I realized my wiring. And so what I've been focusing in on is how can I start to get clear on those things myself? Because as I become clear on it, I can then become better at articulating it to people as well. Um, but I don't know if there was, I, I'm not sure how much neurolang, neuroscience language we went into. Again, she might have, but I don't recall. <laughs> no, the only reason I ask is because uh, a few years back, I always talk about this. I, I went really, really deep into that space for a couple of years. Mm. Um, and they just really talked about uh, just the fact that, you know, when you when you feel something in your gut, there's actually a lot of like neurotransmitters that are connected to like your memory banks and, and your mm-hmm. subconscious and like everything, you know, the body, everything's connected. So when you feel something in your gut, that pretty much means there's something happening in your memory banks, in your subconscious. There's there's some sort of data, some some information that is locked in there that is, it's, it's trying to it's trying to play with the door handle and find a way to get out. But it just seemed it, it can't seem to find a way to open those doors. Um, and so you have to lean into it, work your way through the dark and then open that door for that information. Um, yes. And so that's a great I think that's a really good analogy. I that just came kind up of that on the spot. Well, it's a great analogy. <laughs> that idea of like something it is this this door handle kind of jiggling. And you have to be like, well, is somebody at the door? Well, let me go check it out. Let me figure out what's there. Yeah. And, and it's a process. And I really encourage people to get comfortable with the process because what I've really learned now is that that gut feeling, that intuition, there is an, there is an intelligence around it. In the past, I, I looked at it as being flaky mm-hmm. and flighty. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't give it as much weight as like a IQ kind of intelligence. Um, but to your point, like it's, it is a deeper intelligence that's been built over time. It's, it's built off of a lot of learnings that we've already had. Um, and so there's so much value in it. Uh, and so what I've, what I, my, my process right now is really aligning all of these things. So I, I, 
I feel like right now we have a lot of conversation that are in segments. People talk about following your heart. Mm-hmm. People talk about follow your intuition. And then people talk about all the analysis and like, you know, intelligence that comes from the head. And we keep separating these three things. My goal is to say as a human being, I would like to align them because they are parts of the same unit. And what happens is there are times when you need to hone in on one of them a little bit more than another one. That's completely fair. Don't separate the three and say, well, I'm just an intuition person. I'm like, yes. And like you're not now disconnected from your head and your heart. Or, you know, you just follow your heart. And, and so I think that the issue has been we've just gone so pendulum swinging on just each of these ends where the value for us is like bringing the three together. To your point, you said that everything is connected. And how do we channel that to be able to work that way? And I think we're at our best when we're able to really listen to all aspects and, and follow in alignment with who we are as a whole. I think that's really true. I think that's really true. Um, and I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot to unpack there as it pertains to leadership as well. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of leaders uh, tend to either ignore their gut or go off of their gut. So I think there's a lot that we both just said there to kind of think about as it pertains to, to leadership and bigger decisions as well. Um, you know, right now, what I've been trying to do on this show as well is I've been trying to get, I've been trying to get a little bit more personal around, you know, what I've noticed in the, in the world of leadership and HR, you know, there, there's, there's always something over the last 30 to 45 days that is really personal to a person that's really personal to a professional in this space. Something that's something that's bothering them, something that's affecting them, something that a problem they're trying to solve a hot topic um, and, and I'm not talking about any of the buzzwords or any of the big things that are roaming around on LinkedIn or any of the social channels. I'm talking personally in your business or personally, you know, and, uh, you know, in your case, this would be in your business, not necessarily the employees that you're leading. But um, what's 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 on your mind right now? Is there anything that's pressing any any area of leadership or 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 um, yeah, any any aspect of leadership that's that's really pressing on your mind right now that you feel is uh is is bothering you or is something that you feel needs to be talked about more sorry for that little pause there i was just trying to figure out a way to kind of word it to kind of explain what i'm trying to uh what i'm trying to create here so what are your thoughts on that as far as something that's pressing on your mind hmm I don't know that I can say I have something pressing on my mind. Uh, there's certainly, I, if I think about the the situation that we're all facing right now, I I think there's a lot of opportunities for who we are as leaders to rise up, and and so when I think about that, I. I I was having a conversation with somebody recently and it's actually really a very simple thing. A lot of, a lot of the leaders, what they are struggling with right now is how to cope with all the heightened emotions that are showing up from their teams. And you're now having to cope with that in a world where you can't actually physically be present with them. And so that's been a really 
quick change that's happened. There hasn't been a lot of time for people to prepare and figure out how do I get better at that. And you know, you definitely have people who are like, I'm better face to face. Like I need to physically be with people. Well, that's just not a possibility at this time. Mm-hmm. And so I feel that there's an opportunity there for leaders to make some quick shifts that don't have to be life-changing in the sense that they, they require this major change in process. And it's, it's really calling them to bring it down a notch to be as uh, real as possible. And I, and I feel like that's actually the greater challenge that's always been around, is the idea to be uh, as real as possible, the idea to, for leaders to not have to solve everything. Um, and I feel that's a challenge that a lot of leaders are facing um, do you, do you, do you feel that, do you feel that, so, you know, I, I tend to try to see the good in everyone. Right. But mm-hmm. as I've gotten deeper into this space and, and I know I'm really wrong for probably feeling this way. I may be on an Island here, maybe not. Um, I was on a, I was on a, a live morning show yesterday where, um, I kind of stated it and I actually found out, found out that I was not on the Island. So that was helpful. <laughs> um, but you know, I feel a lot of leaders in or, of organizations, right? This can be an HR director. This can be someone at the executive level. Um, well, they really probably should be at the executive level, but you know what I mean. Um, they are they are conducting these tactics because they know, and I use the word tactical and purpose. They they're looking at the climate of the world right now. They're looking at the headlines. They're looking at the things that are saying brands that don't shift and change their culture to be more empathetic are going to be in danger over the next six to 10 years. Brands that are not doing X, Y, Z are going to see a plummet in their stocks because of the perception that people from the outside are going to have consumers are not going to want to, you know, buy these products and services because of the way that they heard the leadership was treating their employees. Like they're, they're reading these headlines and something in my gut going back to that conversation tells me, now, there's a leader or two or three or five or a thousand that are sitting there saying, huh, we should probably do this because it's in the best interest of the business, not because mm-hmm. it's an innate, it's an innate desire and drive at a human level. And that's okay. something I really resonated with you. That's something I really resonate with every guest on the show and, and definitely with myself and, and why I've always felt that I was a little bit different than a lot of the characters in the space is because mm-hmm. I speak with a level of conviction that comes from like, this is just who I am. Like I really, I really just care. It's not a tactic. It's not an advantage. It's not a strategy. It's, it's common sense. Right. And I had this intuition, this gut feeling that now what we're seeing at a macro level across businesses where they're finally starting to utilize some of those common sense strategies and tactics to be more human, I have a gut feeling it's actually a strategy and a tactic and not something that is going to be sustaining long-term. Like my gut tells me two years post-COVID, mm. <laughs> you're going to start to see those strategies, those policies, those tactics start to go back to the old. Mm-hmm. And that scares me. And not too many people have come out to say this. I'll say it. I think it's in people's minds, maybe, or maybe it's not. Maybe people are just so focused on worrying about their family and their friends that they're not thinking about it right now. Mm. 
I don't know your thoughts are on that. I don't want to rub anyone the wrong way, guys, but you know I tend to not care too much about that. So um, <laughs> I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? That's a really interesting point. I, it, I don't know that I thought too much about it as yeah. to why people were doing it, but it's, it's a fair point to say. So for sure, there is, <laughs> there are those who are driven by it. Like it's a natural inclination to think from that perspective. And then, then there are those who realize that, oh my goodness, like this adds value to the business side of it and, and would be driven by that in a, when all things are equal and everything is going fine, part of me wonders, like my first reaction is, does it matter in the sense where if the, if, if the, if the experience that the people have is an experience that really values them, then if the person at the top, like, you know, whoever the decision makers did it because they wanted to do it because it's good business first, or because they did it because it's good human practice first, I'm like, does it matter in the end, the people get a great experience. Now to your point in a world where <laughs> things are the way they are right now and not everything is business is not usual. This is where, to your point, I think you will start to see that the why matters because I, and I, I'm, I'm trying to think about some of the businesses that are being affected. And you can see where things are coming apart at their seams. Like when some of these policies of like putting people first, you'll start to notice who's why, who did it because of business rationale and who did it because of the people. Because then you, when the cutbacks have to come, and things are tightened, you'll see where it's tightened. Is it tightened on the people end where, you know, they're going to be struggling? Then that's when you'd know to your point that this was purely just a tactic and it wasn't something that's going to sustain. Like, um, so, no, I'm sorry, continue. I was going to give you an example, but continue. Yeah, no, to your point, like, you know, I don't even know if it's two years. I'd say like, given like beginning of 2021 if this persists like if this is what happens then we will certainly start to see who who did it because it really mattered um like you have organizations who have who've made a decision not like just said in this entire year nobody's going to get let go and that's a really big decision to make because Organizations are making that decision without knowing, we don't know where the heck the money's coming in from, but we're just going to make a decision. Mm -hmm. We're not letting anybody go. Now, of course, no organization can say forever and ever, we're not letting anybody go. Like that's, that's a tough one to make, not knowing in the situation. Mm -hmm. But there's something to that for organizations to be able to say that. That to me says, okay, you are willing to make other cuts before you cut people. Yeah. Uh, that's an important, that's, and that means that money is coming out somewhere else. You have... Um, executives taking big cuts and part of me is like, like you should, because, you know, I mean, where's more of the money going, uh, you know, taking big cuts so that other people, like people who are not in those levels don't experience either loss or don't experience major cuts in their, uh, in their income. So to me, those are situations where I can see the human quality and people coming out to say, you know, there's others who need this way more than I can do with less of this. How do I do that? I think that's where it's probably the situation where it's like a genuine, genuine why was the people first. But yeah, where it's tactics, yeah, you'll see it because that's where the people will go first. So let me touch on two things that you said. Um, the first, let me give you an example. And then the second, let's touch on something you said that I want to unpack 
um, and not have a debate, but really kind of just try to figure out what silver linings we can pull for the, the people that are going to be listening. Um, yeah. The first is an example. I, I'm not going to name the brand, but I came across a LinkedIn article that, that, that a brand actually like walked step-by-step step through the process of how they're going to be having a series of meetings to actually change a policy in the, in the, in the space of that their health policy and the way that they look at people calling out sick or people having to take, you know, a, a mental day or they, they're doing tactic based things in this category that I've always felt like, like I can, I can refer to my first notes when I first got my first gig as a people leader for, for a startup four years ago. And again, this is please, please. Cause I know this is going to come off kind of egotistical. This isn't me. Like I got this from mentors. Like I'm not some genius here. Right. Um, right. <laughs> um, I remember a mentor. Let me rephrase it that way. A mentor at the time, when I first got that opportunity said, put together kind of like a, a document of like, let's call it your OS, your operating system from the employee experience perspective of what you want to change here. Just start writing down some things that you think are just innately good things to do because you really think it's a good thing for the person. And I remember putting down something similar to a policy that I wanted to change, which was correlated to like, why should a person be fearful uh, of having like their days are running out to, to take a health day or take a mental health day because they know their finances are going to get taxed if they do so. So they're still coming to work in a mental, you know, messed up state, or they're still coming to work sick because they don't have any days left. I never understood that structure. Right. I understood mm-hmm. it from the business side of things, but then I was like, eh, like how much money are they really losing? How much productivity are they really losing? Like, and we can get into the tactics of how that policy is structured, but I never understood the anxiety, the experience an employee would have around deciding when and where they would be able to take a legitimate sick day or focus on their health or a mental health day. I never understood why it wasn't just, if this is how you're feeling, Susan, let's go with that, right? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's mm-hmm. treat people like adults, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now, fast forward to now, I'm seeing companies, oh, now we're going to do this, guys. This, this big pandemic that has hit the world, now all of a sudden, we're going to try to implement these tactics that I saw brands doing four or five years ago that were so common sense. Right. And so I say that to then lead to the second question. You said something along the lines of, as long as the people are experiencing these changes, Let's not worry about why it's happening to a certain degree. Is is it just me? And it probably is just me. And 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 you know me well enough. You can just say, "Hey, AJ, it's probably just you." Um, if it's just me, just say it. But like, am I wrong to then even question? Like, am I wrong to assume that a company of five hundred, right? They were asking for this similar policy to be in effect four years ago. They got ignored. And now all right. of a sudden they see a change. Yes, they're going to they're going to you know get the benefits of this change. So despite all the circumstances, they're still going to experience that. But am I wrong to say that my gut tells me that they're going to kind of turn their heads up a little bit and say, "Huh, it's kind of interesting that you you want to change now." When I asked for this four years ago, you looked at me like I was crazy. Um, do you feel like someone will have a little tiny bit of animosity or? 
or, or look at them in a certain different light that would affect their employer brand and affect the perception of that brand at a macro level? It's possible. If I think about, like, as you're talking, I'm thinking about just even examples that I've gone through. They I mean, not obviously as significant as what yeah. um, people are facing at this point. Um, I recall back in one of the organizations that I was um, working with, it was one actually similar vacation policy. It was vacation policy mm-hmm. and they had a certain, uh, I think it was like two weeks to begin with, but then you'd get to 10, you'd get to uh, three weeks after 10 years or four years, something ridiculous, some ridiculous amount you had like, to wait how to get you come up with that <laughs> to get to this an extra week. And I remember going like, Oh my goodness, like this is ridiculous. Waiting that long doesn't make any sense. And we had a lot of conversations like in town, like when, when the leaders would come around town halls and ask questions about benefits and stuff, these kinds of things would come up and fast forward, I think two or three years after the fact, they changed the policy to make it, three weeks upon entry. And then I, I don't know, four, four weeks is 10 years or some, some other change, but anyways, it got in, up to the three weeks. And yes, uh, the questions you're, you're absolutely right. That you will have people going like, well, why didn't you change it back then? And especially the people who can no longer experience the benefit. Mm-hmm. then for sure you have people going, well, I got nothing out of it. I fought for this thing, but I am actually not experiencing the benefit of it because years have passed now. And, you know, I don't experience the benefit. So yes, you will have people ask those questions. I feel in a situation where everybody can benefit it. Again, this is my opinion. I'm not saying I can't speak for 100%. everybody who's going to be out there. Uh, if it's an experience that everybody can benefit, even if they may say like, wow, they finally made the change. I have a feeling people in the end will be, will be like, I'm glad the change is here as long as they can experience it. Mm-hmm. They, may, they may definitely question for a while to say, well, why didn't this happen before? Um, but if you can, if everybody can equally experience it, people will, they'll be willing to let it go. The opportunity I feel though, is for the leaders to continue asking that question. So, so someone in that group, so even if let's say it's a consultant, even if it's a third party going into that group, I think there's value in addressing that question to say, Hey, decision makers, I'm just curious as to two years ago when this was proposed, there was a big pushback and it's not doing it. Why is it now that we, why is it now that this is happening? And two, not just necessarily answering that question was to say, what do we learn about that? In the sense, do we have to always wait for an emergency to cause us to make changes? Or are we looking forward enough, looking around us enough to say, am I recognizing the pulse of the organization? I think that's the, that's the takeaway is not just about that specific situation. It's more about, what is this telling us about how we respond? Are we, can we say that, you know what, we stand by the decision? Two years ago, it wasn't necessary. Now it is. And we're completely okay with that. We feel that we're responsive. Or is this enough of a trend for us to say we're not responsive? This seems to be something that comes up for us. I think that's the opportunity. It's like a, a prolonged questioning to say, what else does this tell us about how we operate as decision makers? You, 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 you said it very well, indeed. Like at the end of the day, um, that was the last point I was actually going to bring up um, was, you know, what are other things now that that like how can how can leaders, how can organizations use this, use this example to then change their behavior mm-hmm. forever that will now say, OK, let's look at other policies. Let's look at other things 
not just even in the health mental health area, let's look at other things that employees advocated for that we completely ignored. And let's just start changing them without even saying anything, without looking to get some some like green light from them. Like, let's just go back into like, let's go back into the old files and see what else we can change and just start doing it because it's the right thing to do. Let's 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 let this Corona situation kind of be that 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 force that drives us to change our innate behaviors on a more consistent basis, because that's really kind of what I'm getting down to, which is, okay. Coronavirus hit, emergency hit, things are changed. Like you said, if you're there to experience it, no matter why it was changed, I'm so glad that you're now feeling it. Great. But then there's other things that we both know at a policy level and a workflow level and a structure level that needs to be changed that are still going to be getting ignored because the behavior hasn't changed at the, at the, at the, at the top. The, the, innate, right. the innate ability to analyze your, your company at, in a 90-day window to look at what you can change and to think immediately before anything else, okay, what have the employees been saying that they want changed? Let's see what we can do here, right? That, that behavior of doing that tactic from, from a place of love, I'll wait to see if that has changed. Because I don't want it to be a situation where every time, every time there's change, it has to be on the back of an emergency or the back of, of, of a catastrophic situation. You know, it's very right. similar to your health, right? It's very similar to your weight. Like, you don't, you know, it, it usually takes a person getting completely uncomfortable and completely overweight to not be able to fit their clothes or go through a, you know, traumatic and dramatic you know, health circumstance for them to say, oh, it's important for me to watch my calories. It's important for me to watch what I'm taking in. It's important for me to exercise mm-hmm. daily. Now let me start changing. I want it to be more of a, an offensive behavior that leaders start to take. And my gut just tells me that's not going to be the case, but, you know, I will be positive here on this podcast. Um, <laughs> and I will, I will hope, I will be hopeful that this situation has has uh has helped leaders change their behavior well can i just say like you know when i i think in moments of crisis who the the person who shows up is the person who's always Mm -hmm. been there what i mean by that is even as we think about the situation that globally that we're facing right now nothing has actually changed in the sense that Yes, there's this pandemic, but for example, who's affected by greatest are the people who are always the ones who exactly. are affected by exactly. the greatest. So, so, so in that sense, all this has done is this heightened mm-hmm. stuff. And so if I think about even, you know, I liked how you took it down to an individual level. Each of us as human beings, we have the ability in us to adjust. So you said, you know what, like, I, I like, you know, I, I want to be able to look at the positive side of things. I want to, I want to be able to hope for the best and look for the best in individuals. And that's when we, when all things are neutral, that's our place to be. It's like, you know, how do I adjust? How do I operate in that way? But whenever we are all placed under high amounts of stress, we go into our, whatever our instinctive flight or fight mm-hmm. mode is in that, in that moment. And I feel that's what's happening right now is it's not like a different person shows up. It's just a really heightened version of that person shows up. And, and so even to leadership, 
teams and groups and executive leaders are not any different in, in that way. It is really about like, if, you, if you've had no rationale to change before, it becomes harder. This becomes harder to make that change. So it does matter who you have around you. It does matter, uh, you know, do you have people who will ask you the kind of questions that, mm. that you're asking right now? Um, all of that matters. And I think that's why for me, uh, the team component is so important. And I talk about it quite often is to say, it's not about any one individual. Yes, who sits at the top matters because they influence every decision. Again, it all comes downward. But, but the team that you have around you is very important too. And so the question becomes for me is not just for the leader, but it's also for the people around them. Who's asking the questions? And some, sometimes it takes a bit of a risk to ask a question that might be an unpopular question to ask. But I think that's a responsibility of the people that surround those leadership. That's teams. where I was going to go. Uh, I was going to go right there to put a bow on this. The risk factor, right? So I was going to speak directly mm-hmm. to the change agents out here. There are leaders at the, lead, at the management and leadership level that, are, that definitely have the ear of the, of the COO and they definitely have the ear of the, of the main core of employees there. Those change agents inside mm-hmm. that organization that have respect on both sides of the table, you guys, please, you guys need to listen to your subconscious, listen to your gut and do what you know is right. Continue to drive change at the highest levels around common sense, practicality, listening to your people and be on the offense as it pertains to that. You know, it, it like nothing really has changed for you to now all of a sudden make these changes. Like this should have always been your behavior. Um, and mm. so and don't be afraid to be the unpopular person. Don't be, be afraid to have those tough, tough, tough conversations because normally, and this is something I actually want to get your take on. And then I want you to, to put a bow on this. Let me know any, let me know your opinion of like legitimate policies that you think will be changed post COVID um, anything really tactical that you would do if you were an executive still in a brand right now, maybe something you'll advise a client to do. Um, but I guess before that, what I will say is, um, you know, a lot of times when I look at the change agent kind of space and those individuals that are there that really have the ear of both sides, it's normally from the lens of, you know, those are the people that are, that are, that are getting along at a personal level with the leadership at a very like unique and, and positive way, right? They're friends, they're invited to cookouts. They have really good relationships with each other. They have great rapport. The way that they look at life and business is very similar. And I've seen this from afar Mm. and in close often. It's going to be a little uncomfortable for you guys to change that buddy, buddy atmosphere and to look at that leader and say, look, Andrew, look, David, like, I'm usually on your side here. We've done a lot of great work together, but let me tell you what's in my gut now. I think a couple things need to change and I'm really, really, really adamant about it. And here's what I'm thinking. Like you got to have those tough conversations. It may for a moment change the dynamic of your relationship with that leader, but I think it's worth it. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that and then let me know. We can put a bow on this policy thing. Let me know some, some, some structurally core things that you think will actually change post-COVID or should or should change, you would advise to change? Um, yeah, so to your point about that relationship, uh, I mean, in the end, 
anyone who is in a leadership role, you have to understand that there is responsibility, there is ownership, there's risk, all of that involves in that role. And so this is the time that we need you to step up <laughs> more than more than any other time. So so I'm I'm in agreement, like kind of being able to have those conversations. Now, yes, you know, ideally, ideally the way that you have set up so let's say I'm the support person or I'm the kind of, you know, the person who has the ear of the leader. Ideally, I would have set up that relationship in that way. And, and sometimes, we, you know, you talked about it, having a buddy, having a buddy relationship. Sometimes you don't, right? Like sometimes of that's course. not the relationship that you have. They may not be, they may not be that close, but that doesn't matter whether you have the friendship or not. There's, there's that respect that hopefully goes with, with that relationship um, and that would mean that we're able to have some candid conversations. And I feel that that is, that is a responsibility of anybody sitting in leadership. And I actually think for each of us as individuals, that's our responsibility to build the courage and uh, skills to be able to have those kinds of conversations. So, yeah, I, I would agree with you. It takes risk and um, but someone's got to do it. So, <laughs> uh, so I definitely think that there's opportunity there. And I think there's definitely ways to to do it so that it's not this all or nothing sort of conversation because I also believe that I don't I you know we we sometimes look at leaders and we look at just the small minute portions of ones who are amazing or ones who are terrible there are a lot of leaders who reside on the spectrum that's in between who are wanting to do better but have never like don't really know how to approach it are looking for advice are wanting to do things that would help the people as well as yep. help the business. And so I think that's where the the people who are around them matters. And, and I think, I think that's where there's an opportunity for us to say, you know, not everyone's out there to make life a living help for people. Uh, most people are out there to say, how do I help my people and my business and helping, helping the people will help your business and helping your business will help your people. So it just goes hand in hand. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a, the, the value of the people around to step up and have those conversations is is really important um your question around policies honestly i think the most simplest one that comes to my mind is the one that we're all experiencing right now is uh the rise of the remote working environment in 2020 there are still or there were still companies who had issues with having remote working or work from home like situations for for their um for their teams mm -hmm. for their people which always like you know it's really surprised me because i'm like we're in a we're in a we're in a time in history where we have the technology to facilitate this and a lot of people who weren't or who didn't really have the opportunity to work from home were people who could have very easily exactly. done their work from home but that but but the the root of that issue a lot of times was a trust piece the trust part was well, if Anthony's not at work, how do I know that he's working? You know, he may be taking time off and going to some other appointment or maybe he's not at his desk. And I was like, okay, so it's okay that he's here and he's not at his desk because you're not watching him while he's in the office the whole time. Like, it's not like you have a camera on him and you watch. So what difference does it make? Like, so you'd rather a person slack off while they're physically in the office than slack off at home. So it was this idea of, it was a trust piece that that was really showing up there was um, I want to make sure people aren't abusing the privilege. And all of a sudden, boom, in a matter of weeks, you had 
it was that business won't continue if people can't work from home. And all of a sudden people are working from home. And this whole idea of are people doing their job or not, nobody's asking that question anymore because it's a mm-hmm. moot point. And so I feel that is going to be a big, big shift. The question is going to come up to say, hmm, why do we need to have all these people here? Do we need this much space? Like, do we need this entire five floors at our building? Or is it just this team that needs to come in on certain days or just this team that needs to have a physical presence for for whatever reason, but everybody else can be remote or could be partially remote. And so that has people implications and that has financial implications. And I feel that's going to be a policy that is going to look very, very, very different uh, now and, and moving forward. I think this, this, I, and I, I, don't, I hope this idea of like, are they going to do their work? is no longer going to be an issue because it's not an issue right now. Somehow everybody adjusted and I'm shocked at some of the business that we're able to make. I mean, think about uh, yeah. education. Schools went online. Schools are the most archaic uh, institution that exists because nothing's really changed in the way education has been. Um, how do I say yeah. provided, right? Like if you think about it 20 years ago, you were still sitting in a classroom. Okay. Now you may have computers in the classroom, but you're still sitting in the classroom. Still kind of the things are facilitated very much the same way. Um, but now everything had to go online. And so that was a big beast that has had to, that's had to all of a sudden make a change. Now they they're having a harder time because obviously it's a big thing you're trying to maneuver, but everything shifted to an, this remote idea. So I feel this is going to be a di- big change the opportunity in this is to say, how do we make this? Right now, we had to make this change very quickly. But making this change has, like you, there hasn't been a lot of work that could have been done to create the right parameters around it. How can we make this so that it's the most beneficial, the most valuable for employees as well as the clients? I think those are going to be some of the backend things that are going to come to say, how do we make this a really great thing, not just an emergency response? Because bet you anything, even people are going to say, why should I come back to the, mm-hmm. like, what's the point? Why, what's, why are we having to go back right away um, to the way the old things were? So I think that's the, that would say that's going to be the most significant thing, but how to operate in a remote environment, that's a lesson that is being learned. I don't think that's a lesson everybody knows. So the opportunity for a lot of organizations who had to do it quickly is to look at those organizations who've done it this way for a long time. If you need examples, if it's to just lessons learned, um, to create, make this an environment that is actually great for everybody, your people and your clients, not just an emergency response. I think that will be the lesson. Learned. That was beautiful. That was well said. And that was right on, right on point with, with what I was thinking. Um, the only thing I would add to that is, um, you know, if you are one of those leaders that are, because, you know, another thing that we don't talk about enough in business is leaders are humans as well you know, management and executives are humans as well. And a lot of their decisions are not always on the objective side. Like a lot of their decisions are not always based off of the black and white. A lot of their decisions are oftentimes based off of their own subconscious, their own memory banks, their own experiences, their own points of views. Um, And uh, for this particular situation, do me a favor, leaders, go directly to the data. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to anyone else. Go directly to the data and be objective and say, were we one of the few businesses that were blessed to be able to work remote and still stay alive? And how are things going? And, and, and all things considered, and all things considered, 
Are we alive? Are we breathing? Have things been producing? Are, are, have we been have have we been productive? Right. Just go directly to the data because I'm sure any great big organization has been collecting data thus far, and and let that be the judgment mm-hmm. of your decision. Just because it's in your gut, like I heard Gary Vee say this one time, he was joking around saying, you know. I may not be able to build this organization the way I kind of tend to like to. And the, and the person said, what do you mean? He's like, I just like people being around. I like seeing people. I like being able to rub, go up and yeah. hug a person. And he's like, you know, I may have to change my perspective on that. I may have to have, have number one, have empathy for a person. Like that may be a policy, policy that changes. Like you may have a choice. Like you may be able to design a flex work, a flex workflow. Yes. Um, yes. One week in the office, one week not in the office. Like you may be able to design that and have a little bit more autonomy. Uh, and then he was also saying, like, look, it's really not about me right now. Like, just because I like to have everyone here, if things are getting done, if productivity is either at the same level or even higher, then you know I, I really can't argue. Because if I try to make people come back into the office now, it's now they're going to know I'm just doing it out of my ego. Um, yes. And so that's something I would also add. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I, that's really well said. And I feel this idea of going back and look at the data, a great data point are your people. Like you can ask your people too. And not just about productivity, but part of product, you know, how somebody feels in this environment also matters because yes, there's going to be a lot of people who maybe they themselves prefer to come in. So I love what you said is the idea. It doesn't have to be either or it's more around what can we create that is adds value to the team that adds value to the business or sorry, to the client, um, our business overall. And that stuff comes from figuring out how it's working Mm -hmm. for you right now. (laughs) Go ask some people go, go. And your people are a great source to tell you this is working. This is not working. And, and you can make it a collaborative change. It won't be a quick one. It won't be an easy one, but if that's what you're going for easy, then, then you might as well just go back to how things were because that's that's probably how that's probably where you're going to land anyways. But if you're truly looking to say, hey, what's going to be the change? And I feel that this is a question everybody needs to ask. I don't care whether you own a business or not, even on an individual level. The question is to say, who who's coming out of this? As in how, who and how am I coming out of this? That actually does matter. And I think that's why I love what Gary V said there. You know, I need to I need to look beyond myself and kind of ask some questions and say what works, what needs to shift, and make exactly. a shift. Your you will be better for it, and your people and your business will be better for it. Exactly. Let's uh, for the last probably ten minutes here, and then I'll, I'll finally let you get back to your family here. I, I really appreciate you doing this on a Saturday morning. Um, I tend to like these a little bit better. Uh, the week really gets cluttered. Um, so uh, for sure, two more questions, then I'll let you get back to your day. Um, so to give you a very, very, very brief update, um, when we first spoke before, I was kind of alluding to a couple projects that I was hoping to remember, I was kind of alluding to like the entrepreneurial world again and wondering if I was going to jump in. So, um, yeah, unfortunately coronavirus wiped out the business that I was working for. Um, uh, I think I told you this one kind of on the, on the pre-call. Um, and yes. uh, they're still trying to find a way to get back. So, you know, that's obviously maybe a temporary statement I just made. But um, over the last almost three months now, I've been putting together some things that I'm really excited about. Um, 
But one element of that is actually so. I created this whole kind of concept E1B2 brands, which will kind of be like a. Um, I'm kind of, I guess I'm trying to take over the world here, which will be kind of like a. a <laughs> a housing of a lot of different product services and internal brands. And I just want to create that are all directly correlated to fixing the world of work and employee experience from that lens. And something I wanted to get your take on is right now we're moving on a couple of things. Uh, we have five startup. And when I say startup, I don't mean fresh idea. This is what we're doing. I mean, 50 to about 50 to 150 people um, been around for maybe 18 months to two years. Um, so we have about five startups in that in that category. And what we're doing is, you know, when I decided to finally move on this 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 area of work, I said, you know, I'm not going to look around the marketplace and try to be like every other consultant or try to be like every other you know company that's playing in this space. What what are you going to create? What do you want to do that's really dear and near to what you see out of this world? And I was like, I want to help startups from scratch build culture. They've they've mm. they're and, and what I mean by that is to give you a little bit of a, an idea, they're 80 people deep. They have not hired an HR leader at all yet. So they, they are outsourcing the more traditional aspects of HR. They don't have anybody internally to do some of the people work either, right? Because, you know, HR can be very technical and very people-centered as well. Mm -hmm. They have Mm -hmm. not put any thought into a culture and what that means at an organizational, like, operational level. They've been raising a lot of money or just been selling a lot of stuff and just been moving quickly. They now have a little bit of time. They have a little bit of cash that they are now willing to invest in a building what I like to call, again, like an employee experience, like operating system, like an internal OS. This is the way that we are going to work. This is the way, this is the experiences the employees are going to feel and go through. These are the situations that they're going to be interacting with. Here's the workflows. Here are some of the policies. Here are the structures. Like, you know, that that's really what makes up the culture is, is what's actually happening on a day-to-day basis. And that's all contingent on the structures and the policies and the frameworks that you have. So here's my question to you. Being as someone that has played at, mm. at, at some of the highest levels of business, um, I have my own two cents on this, but I would love to get your two cents on what are, and this is one of the questions that this kind of correlates to one of the questions we agree that we would ask on the show, which is creating culture. What are those first few things that you would do at a very tactical level? I've been really pushing myself to get really tactical on this show and not so theoretical, what are what are the first few things that you would change at an operational level that you would say to a company of that size just thinking about putting things in place? What are some of the areas you would focus on first? Would it would it be compensation and benefits? Would it be you know looking at how you're structuring the workflow? Would it be would it be going into like how decisions are made and autonomy and innovation? Like what areas? of culture that me and you both know and love, would you tackle first if you were to help uh, help these organizations? Oh, man, that's, that's a I big know. question. It's, 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 a, it's a nine. <laughs> so to give you a little bit more context, they're, they're about 12-month projects. So, like, right now, I'm, like, fully in on all their meetings. Like, it's a I – I have, I have helped, too. I have three other people from my previous company that came on and helped me here. So, um as you said, you just alluded to it. It's it's a big it's a big lift. Um, 
It's great work. No, I, I didn't. So yeah, I, I think it's great work. It's just, I'm thinking about how to answer your question in a simple way. If you can. Uh, without, but without losing uh, the depth of what you're asking for. Um, so I'm really big on, I think culture is built is, is to your point is, is, has, is built on multiple, like there's different facets mm -hmm. to it, right? Like you, you, you identified a whole bunch of different things that feed into culture. Uh, the simplest, the foundational piece of it is the people. And I'm going to boil that down a little bit simpler. So when you have an organization, so you were talking about a company that's, let's say, eight employees, sorry, 80 employees at this point, uh, chances are that the founders and so on are still pretty actively mm -hmm. engaged in the regular parts of business. I think it's really important that whatever these tactical pieces are, whether it's compensation, whether it's innovation, whatever aspects of the business are, it's important for them to be able to bring it back to why they started this company. There are some, and, and startups are in a very, very unique and fortunate position to be able to do something mm -hmm. with that. Because when you become really, really big, it becomes hard to hone all those things together. But when you're early, and I think 80 is still early, uh, you have the opportunity to step back and go, what were our founding, why did we do this and what are our foundational values? And hooking those things back to that, back to, uh, back to those values, like hooking your, does my compensation reflect mm -hmm. these values? Do our, uh, does our approach to innovation reflect our values? Does our recruiting reflect these values? That, I know it sounds to some people may seem like, well, you know, that's not really, like that's not, give me the techniques around it. Well, the techniques come with the conversation, but without getting caught up in all the details of it is, can you say that your values are reflected on those things? I think that's one of the foundational pieces uh, to be able to do that. But I would also take it a step back and go, do your, like, does everybody agree on those values? Because organizations that I've worked on that have been rooted in the values, that's where you notice that there is a very unique cult, like you can mm -hmm. feel the culture. Uh, and there's organizations I've worked for where I can feel it. It was just it was just something that was posted up on the wall. But that's the difference is the the decisions that were made were always tied back to the core values of the organization that wouldn't shift. Um, and I think a, a startup has a great opportunity to be able to come back to those. So if you're working with organizations that are that early, and as a consultant coming in there. I, I would I would encourage you to be like how do we how do we bring it back to that to say do, what are those core values and does your compensation reflect that because if your compensation program and policy doesn't reflect it uh, then there's a problem that's then then these are just writings the things that you have up on the wall so I think that's one of the simplest places to start um, and you know the leadership team is like a good starting point. So that's the first thing that comes to my mind. There's a lot of other stuff, I'm sure, but that that would be pretty foundational. Let's let's shift for two seconds here. I am looking at the time. Let's give me one tactic if we were to go a little bit deeper on your area of, of the game, right? So learning and development is an area that falls under this bucket, right? The way that you go about. So we can we can keep it high because I know you could go really deep. We can keep it high, but at a theoretical yeah. level pertaining to this conversation of creating culture. So I'll give you one thing that I like to do, right? And, and actually, 
you're the perfect person mm-hmm. to ask for this. Like, actually, I'm in the middle of doing this now, so maybe I should actually ask you in real time. Um, sure. Am I crazy to try to structure out situations where so this is what I'm working with the brand right now and I'm trying to explain to them and trying to work out a way where I suffer from ADD. Let me start there. I su- and now you're like, <laughs> like, we're, like, that was an example of how I suffer from ADD. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, I went on the whole thing and then I was like, I suffer from ADD. So that's funny. I do though, right? I do. Um, and hey. as you know, there's a lot of other aspects of 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 the brain that a lot of different employees may suffer from that you may not know right so add Mm -hmm. adhd whatever the case is going to be as well as not even any like you know mental ailments like as well as just this is the way people people learn people absorb information people work in different ways and Mm -hmm. from your experience with learning and development how can we weave in and blend in that 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 those specifications those those individual experiences at the learning and development level but keep it macro enough so that it doesn't hinder the the flow of the learning and development program that's being implemented um that's something i've been actually working on in real time right this second like i just have a call today with uh naya who is the partner in this business and we're going to be kind of flushing out some thoughts um because that's something I really believe because it goes back to the values that I've been trying to help help brands set, which is, look, everyone, everyone absorbs information differently. Everyone learns differently. Everyone has a different, a different direction and a different path professionally that the learning and development will be adding to. Like everyone has a different, a different scope and a different lens. And so how do you take how do you take the value of wanting to individualize experiences for your employees so they feel like they are directly impacted and not just a number? How do you take that experience, that feeling, and operationalize it into the learning and development programs that you implement, that you maybe even custom create, or that you outsource? And then one of the baselines of that is uncovering mm-hmm. what are the needs, right? Like what are the needs? Because you can... Okay, so let me take this back. So you uncover what you want to be able to uncover. What are the needs that you're looking to that that are showing up, and then you make a decision on what you want to take action on, because you may uncover tons of stuff, but you know it's not actually viable to address all of them 100%. at this time, uh, right? So you have to figure those things out and and figure out what actually is beneficial to the business. And when I say business, I'm I'm talking about like I'm putting the people in that. I'm not just saying like bottom line. I'm putting everything together and saying what does what's actually a value um, and you take action based on that. And then, so, so I think that's your starting point, but then you also have to then say how you deliver on it will matter too. So for example, organizations have orientation and there's going to be orientation that is standard as in like everybody goes through this part Mm -hmm. of the orientation. It's, it's just, you know, it's just what we do. Then you may have components of the orientation that become more specific. So, Anthony, you're coming into this aspect of the business. So this is what that piece of the orientation might look like for you versus Nancy's going into that part of the business. And so she so that's where you might start to segment. So how you so that's where there's uh, the needs analysis gets you started. And then from there, you can start to figure out who are we looking to serve through this. And then um, and then your modes of delivery can help you individualize. 
your modes of delivery can help you say, like I said, there's something that's standard that everybody does. There's something that only some people do. There's now certain things, for example, that are going to be, uh, you can do it anytime you want to. There's, there's no, there's no, like you have to do it in the six months. Like this is something that Mm -hmm. is self-learning. Um, so there's different modes that can help you decide on how you choose to deliver on those items. Um, and then, and then that's where you can start to decide, okay, you know what, these are things that we could do in-house this mode of delivery. We might not to outsource it because we don't have the expertise in-house to build that out and we're better off. It's actually simpler for us. It's better for us to take this out, um, to a third party outsource it and they might be able to bring it back in um so yeah so those are just different ways that you can customize it but it starts with uncovering what what is it that you're looking to solve for what's the need that's out there that can help you make some decisions makes sense i'm on the right track um final question and then we are wrapping up today's show this was this was really great i had a great time talking to you today um final question you uh you decide to take a job here and you're like, you're like, no, I'm not doing that again. But you decide to go back into the world of work and uh, you put your entrepreneurial career on hold. You are in the position to hire someone, right? They come up to mm-hmm. you and they say, you know, look, Nancy, I've had, uh, I've had three jobs in the last 10 years. I've learned X, Y, Z as it pertains to leadership and, you know, those type of leaders. And she gives you a couple of examples. Um, they they weren't really beneficial for me. Um, she goes into deep detail about certain workflows that she experienced that worked well for her and did not work well for her. She then goes into certain projects and certain aspects of the world of work that she's going to be diving into at your company that she would be really excited to kind of uh, be a part of. And she gives you the reason of why, which is it's connected to a long-term goal that she has uh, professionally. And then she goes on to continue to tell you more about just things that are beyond the resume, areas of her life, areas of her brain, areas of the way that she likes to work, areas of, of employee experience that she's learned through the last 10 years that has that it's really taught her something. And so she's being very intentional with this new opportunity here. And she, so she's saying all this during the interview process. How are you reacting to this information that you're getting? And then let's say you decide to pull the trigger on hiring her. How does that information help you craft and mold her first, call it 90 days of that company, uh, of her experience with the company? There's obviously a reason why I'm asking that's probably, I'll I'll give you the punchline in a second, but what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I think it's so your first question is how look, how does that land for me? I think it's amazing to hear the kind of learnings that if she's pulling all those learnings out from her 10 years, I think there's great value in someone who can summarize and share what key learnings are and be able to be articulate about that. Um, So I would say that's uh, an awesome skill for her to be able to describe those things. I mean, I would I would assume that they're in relation to what she's at the table for, that they're not just random. So I'm making an assumption around that. Right. Okay. Uh, So, yeah, I think it's a great, great thing that someone can be able to, especially coming from a. And you said she's also coming from an entrepreneurial. No, she's 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 been she's been an employee for 10 years and she's just sitting there explaining to you 
the types of leaders she works well with, why she works well with those leaders, certain projects she's worked she worked well with on the workflow of that project and why I really personally supported the way that she goes about work and, and that she would like to do other projects similar and why that's connected to a longer goal that she has professionally and she's hoping to be able to have those experiences here with your company. Um, yeah, so she's kind of just breaking down an experience that will work best for her. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's awesome. Someone that is that self-aware and able to share that, that's great. If her uh, skills line up with what we yes, were looking do. for, right, then that's great. Like, that's even better. I'm like, I already wanted to bring this person on and now she's can be that self-aware. Uh, I would actually be really thrilled uh, to have somebody like that come on board. Um, and in terms of building out the, the um, what they're... Uh, onboarding package or what their development package might look like. I, so again, depending on what the organization, what we have decided, like there's obviously going to be some sort of standard stuff that's company related that we would do from an onboarding piece. And there might be job job specific stuff. But what I would be excited to talk to her about is to say, Hey, look, I appreciate everything that you shared with me about where you see your future going. And I would actually like to work with her to figure out, what that might look like. Now, I would probably have some ideas because of the organ being in the organization, but I would like to, I would, especially if someone with that sort of thinking process, I'd love to be able to do that collaborative, collaboratively mm-hmm. with her. So why I asked that question is, so I have a brand inside of, so there's a separate brand that I'm working on that's called Monday Anticipation. Monday Anticipation is uh, a lot of different things, but it's really for the, 24 to 30 year old right that younger professional that that is getting into the world of work or towards the back half of their 20s going to the 30s they're gearing up to they're gearing up to take the next step in their career um and there's a product inside of money anticipation called beyond beyond your resume and beyond your resume is everything i just talked about and more so i partnered up with a career i partnered up with a few um, pretty established career coaches and career consultants that work on that work on areas such as how you should dress going into an interview, questions you should ask, how you should roll out those questions, your answers, putting together your resume, um, putting together your cover letter, all the more traditional things. And I brought them in to kind of mm-hmm. pick their brain of the 15, 10 years that they've been doing this work and to try to craft and mold this document, this product, that would be sent over with their resume. So you send your resume, you send your cover letter, then you'll send this thing called beyond your resume as well. And it's Mm. everything I just said. And then that's something you would actually review during the interview process. Um, I brought this up to someone that's an executive for the last 30 years. And it's probably because of their age. And I brought this up to another, a, a few more. This was at like a family thing, a few more. Yeah. They all looked at me yeah. and laughed me out of the room. They laughed me out of the room to the point where my mom actually had to come in and say something. I'm like, okay, you're making my son feel a little uncomfortable now. Like, they said, you're insane. Mm. You're insane if you think we're going to sit here and let an employee explain to us the leaders they want to work with, why they want to work with the leaders, the projects they want to work on, the way they want to go about work. Like, this sounds very selfish. And it's the, to us, it doesn't sound like an employee that's willing to jump into a team atmosphere. And 
I'll keep it. I'll keep it PG on this podcast. I, I lost it because mm. you know where my brain automatically went to. Um, <laughs> how does that sit with you? That there are. How does that sit with you? That because I always like to pull the silver linings. Ignore the ignorance. I like to pull the silver linings of why they said what they said. So how does that really sit with you? Because you just explained to me that you would love it if an employee walked into your office saying that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, so I I have no idea who these individuals are, so I won't actually place any no, judgment place on that part. place as much judgment as you need. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I, okay, so... The one aspect that I that we didn't actually talk about is how this person positioned it with me. I made the assumption that I'm, I made the assumption to put the best on the person to say that this individual came to me and is sharing this more as a not as in uh, hell or high water. I only do this. I will only do that. Because if that was a conversation, yeah, that no. I think I would be a little bit like, okay, right. But if the person's coming in to say, hey, look, I, I want to share with you. These are the these are the this is where I have excelled. These are the ideas that I would love to be a part of. And this is how I think it, I'm like, why wouldn't I? I mean, I'd be super thrilled. And and I think that's where for me, the working collaboratively comes up is to say, okay, so this is what you want to do. Here's what the organization is going. Here's the opportunities. How do we do that? And again, it's, she's still like, she, she's still doing her job. It's not like her day-to-day job is going away. It's just how exciting I I'm always excited to do development work with people and maybe that's that's why I kind of resonate in that way and I in my lifetime uh, the leaders who have been the best leaders for me have been the ones who cared about me first and cared about my development like they allowed me that they gave me the autonomy around that and I excelled working with them so for me the idea of helping somebody else in that way and say let's build something out for you this is this is what you know in the one year it could look like. And maybe it comes to a point that at a certain point, the rest of her development is not with me. We get her to a point that she excels to go work with somebody else. Um, Cause it, you know, and I, so I think it really depends on maybe I'm, I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they understood this as somebody who's like, you know, I'll only do this. I won't do this. Um, maybe no. in that situation, I can agree with them to say, come on, you know, that doesn't work. But, but yeah, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's unfortunate that, that they feel all I can say is in my experience, most of the leaders that I worked with, I never walked away going feel them saying, well, that's not possible. Majority of the leaders I worked with said, that's awesome. How do we make this possible? Uh, And so I, I'm actually more hopeful than I am, regardless of these group of individuals you asked, I'm actually more hopeful that that's not the situation because think about it. This person's actually done a ton of the work. <laughs> they've already they've already come to you with this is you're not having to dig anything out of them. They're already coming to you saying, this is what I enjoyed. This is where I want to work towards. These are the skills that I bring to the table. Now, the opportunity is let's collaborate. I will give you feedback on these things. We're going to be working on your development. And now we've opened up a door for candid feedback. I mean, how how much I don't know. I'm like, how much better can it get? Like this person's already come ready. Like, I think that's all. That was the entire mentality of it. And then we'll put a bow in it. Like the entire <laughs> mentality. And I'm really happy that you're excited about this because I looked around the market. And I, I don't, I haven't seen too many things like this, right? Because you, I'm sure you've done a lot of interviews, have been a part of interviews and seen a lot of employees come and go. Um, and I was like, when I was, when I was trying to create this brand, in my mind, I was like, okay, what can I do that will benefit both sides of the table? 
right? If, if I'm an employee, I would love to be able to work with a company like Money Anticipation or work through a worksheet that helps me craft something like this that I can bring into an interview. And then on the flip side, like you said, what I was trying to explain to these four ladies at this cookout that maybe feel so sad, what I was trying to explain to them was <laughs> this now gives you the power as an executive. This gives you the upper hand to now figure out how you're going to plug and play them faster. You don't have to take the first 90 days to get to know some of the, some of the intangibles, some of the other variables. You have now them telling you, I've done that hard work for you. I've, I've gone through the self-awareness process. I'm well, I'm ready to go. Like put me in the game. Um, and, and, mm. and I think it, it would be a benefit to a brand. Um, so I've just been kind of fishing around and getting people that I respect like yourself um, and just really getting some people to like poke holes through it, give their two cents. Cause it is, it is a project, you know, I I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know if it's going to be housed in like an app, but what I'm thinking is it's going to be a series of, 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 of frameworks and questions that they would, uh, an employee would work through as they're gearing up to go look for a job that they would put together and they would send right. them a document in a polished, nice, aesthetically pleasing way that they would attach along with the resume and the cover letter. Um, I mean, one, one thing that I might ask you to please, consider is um, reaching out to um, recruiters and get their feedback because the one the one piece that I wonder about and not having been a recruiter I can't answer this question is already resumes when they come to you not all resumes get looked at so if there's an addition another document attached the people who filter through this are the initial lines which are by the time it gets to the executive level there's only a few who are making it that far so the question would be would a recruiter open this and what would cause them? So I think the recruiter's feedback would be actually really valuable because if they filter through to the recruiter and then to the next, whoever the next level is, the HR person, and then it usually yeah. is where it goes to the hiring manager. Um, so there's about two layers that you have to get through before you get to the hand, hiring manager, let alone the executive. Uh, I think that might be, I wonder mm -hmm. if that matters too, as to who's actually the audience. Or maybe it's something, or maybe it's something the employee can craft as they're doing the work, looking for work process, they get to the, they finally get to an interview and then they pull it out and say, Hey, by the way, I wanted to share something with you. If you have a few moments, right. They get through the interview and then towards the back half of it, they maybe, Oh, they share this with them. Um, yeah. I mean, I think because so, so maybe it's positioning this document more as a support to the actual candidate mm -hmm. to say this is to get you to refine your thinking because a lot of times that's the challenge getting prepared for the interview right that to refine your thinking around these are key things I want to mention this is want to highlight so it could be uh, a stage document that way like preparing for your first interview versus preparing for your exec interview they're they're two different in two different interviews the questions are slightly different uh, the things around this is the kind of leaders I work best with this is the kind of um um you know, growth I'm looking for, that is not as much had with the, with the recruiter that yep, comes later, yep. but there's other questions about their skill sets that would come earlier. Um, so, so I would say it might be an opportunity to say, you know, if, and when you get asked questions about, tell me a little bit about what are your goals? You know, what are you working towards? Um, when you, I think first it's, they have to be able to articulate it before they pull out a piece of paper. 
can you articulate it? I think the document, if the document helps them to clarify their thoughts and concisely articulate that, that would be a great value of that. And then they can say, you know what, I'd love to be able to leave you, leave you behind with something that shares a bit more about what I've, what I've shared here. Um, I think what the opportunity for, um, sorry, would get excited about Mondays or would you <laughs> get excited about Monday? Uh, it's, if that's what it is. It's, no, it's called Monday anticipation. That's the name of the brand. Sorry, my mistake. No, Monday, fine. Monday anticipation, right? Um, so, with I think that it would be helpful if Monday anticipation just kind of recognizing to say whether that is who is it for? Is it for the candidate or is it for the benefit of um, of the exec or recruiting parties? Um, and then just recognizing is there is there value in adding to the resume document because already that in and of itself can be two pages, three pages long. Uh, and it's kind of recognizing, you know, will adding another piece, what would be the value of adding another piece? And for the person who receives it at the end of it, like the, the exec or whoever, will they look at it? I think that's where some of your research mm -hmm. can be around to say like, what, what would be the value around it? Because I think if it's around helping people get concise and clear and sharp for the interview, there's great value yep, there. Yep, I appreciate all this. That's what I was, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking it would look a little bit like, I, again, I don't know price points. I don't know the framework of the of, of the offering, but it would look a little, little something like, you know, an employee comes to Monday Anticipation. We have the career coaches that are there that can help you articulate articulate what we're, what you're putting together in the in the actual mm -hmm. document itself so you actually can articulate it in in real time and you actually have mm -hmm. this aesthetically pleasing kind of document that you know that asks you questions for you to clarify your thoughts it kind of walks you through the process as well um kind of attacking it at both sides so uh yep. that's cool i we kind of we kind of worked through some things here thank you for that um yeah no problem. so this was amazing um, I am very uh, appreciative of you, and I, I really hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. I think, I think we, I think we got a little bit deeper today. I think last podcast was really great. I think today had a different energy and a different feel to it. Um, For sure. I don't know. We're in a different time, yeah. so it's a different conversation. We definitely are. Um, <laughs> plug in as much as you want. I, I, I want to give opportunities. I will say the podcast is is is, is picking up significantly, um, listener wise. So plug and play anything that you're working on right now as much as you want i'll give you as much time as you want to plug in um anything that you're working on that you want people to know about oh uh, thank you so much anthony appreciate that so for sure my my podcast as i said relational introvert um it it really the intention around this started with it, it is about running the experiment about trying something and, and working through it and so that's kind of the impetus of um starting this out, but Relational Introvert is available on really any platform, Apple, Anchor, Google. Um, and I've actually now started to put clips onto YouTube as well. So if you're more of a visual person, then you're an audio, then that's also an opportunity for you. My, uh, the heart of the whole thing is about highlighting uh, the people and leadership strengths of introverted leaders or the more quiet ones, as I would say. And, uh, and I really want to be someone who helps raise other people's voices. And this was a voice I wanted to be able to raise. So uh, please listen in, um, join, comment. Uh, I'm happy to have more people uh, join in. Um, and in terms of my own work through Seed Leadership, uh, I continue, as I said, working with individuals and organizations. I'm actually 
Uh, one of the things that I am rolling out shortly has to do with uh, more team-focused work. Um, what I've realized is the importance of the team when it comes to, for example, we talked about mm -hmm. culture, Anthony, when it comes to building culture and transparency in a workplace, one individual leader can start it, but it's very tough to sustain something like that unless you have a team environment around it. So some of the work that I've been doing with leaders has to do with what I've been calling increasing collective self-awareness. Um, and so it's some work uh, that I'm focused on that involves a workshop that really helps to um, build that out for specific teams. So if, they, if you are part of a growing team or part of an organization where you are now in this world that we're in and you're looking to say, how do I make a change? How do I need to make a shift? Um, this might be something that'd be of help to you. It's around increasing your self-awareness as well as your teams to be able to create a different kind of culture um, in the world that we're coming into. So um, it, it does really, I do use uh, industry tested assessments as a way to get the starting point and then uh, group collaborative coaching that's part of it, which helps build that out. So um, if that's something you're interested in, please feel free to reach out to me either on LinkedIn. My name is Nancy John, um, and uh, I'd love to be able to connect and chat with you. Perfect. 100%. Again, Are you familiar with uh, Melissa and Jonathan Nightingale? I'm not. They are building, they, they have built uh, last 10 years a company very similar to that, uh, that, that, has, that has grown a lot. Um, let me know if you would love an introduction. Uh, I don't know how many, I don't know how you view advisors or supporters or you, how you like to learn from others, but um, I can definitely give you an introduction if you ever want, because uh, they, they, they focus right on that area that you just talked about at, at, a, at a really high right. scale that uh, I had them on the podcast recently. They, they've introduced me to a lot of people. So um, I can make an introduction at some point. Just reach out to me. Um, they're in Canada as well. Uh, so oh, let cool. me know. Just it, it, I thought of them the second you said that. Oh, great. Thanks so much, Anthony. I appreciate, I appreciate that. this, Nancy.